Jensen Brinker. Yeah, that's right. We've got a special guest host. Erin has some business this morning. She got some business. So let's see if we can get Jensen on the line. Give me a sec here. All right. We're getting a one ringy dingy, a two ringy dingy, a three ringy dingy. I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Let's try this one. Wow, there we go. Beep, beep, beep. Bing. Bing. So it is Friday, and uh, and we are Skyping back with with Jensen, also known as Jaybird. Um, so apparently, minks, the little uh, weasel-like animal, the mink, that coats are made out of, their pelts, uh, can be affected by COVID, and they've had thousands of them die in Utah. Um, which is no bueno. Uh, let's. And so, um, yeah, the, it's the, the, um, the minks. What the heck? Here we go. Oh, there was some ad popped up over the story, so I couldn't talk to you about it. So, um, thousands of minks in the Utah f- uh, farms have been uh, have been killed by COVID. Now, for the farmers, it's not that bad of a deal because they just harvest the pelts, um, you know, maybe earlier than they wanted to. But I feel really bad for all those animals. To, you know, uh, literally thousands of them have died. Um, and uh, oh, hello. Yeah, yeah. The call came in as dot C instead of your name on it. So it's dot C. Hi, dot C. Happy Friday. So um, I'm going to bring up my show notes so that I know what the heck we decided we were going to talk about. So um, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I polished off my coffee during the radio show, so um, and and I don't have a coffee machine here in the shack out back studio, so um, I either have to pause and go run off and get m- more coffee, or just switch to uh, soft drink to get my caffeine if I want to keep caffeinating as the morning rolls by. So, uh... yeah, I've thought about that about putting one out here. I have a toaster out here for the occasional Pop-Tart, but I'm trying to eat better, so I'm not using that very much. I'm thinking maybe the toaster should go back in the house and I should put the coffee machine out here because I'm the only person in the house, as you know, that uses the coffee machine, unless you happen to be visiting, or your sister. That's true, too. Yeah, the the, the logic doesn't work very well. But if I swap the two, then I've got spaces already available for them, so I don't have to, like, make more space in either either location because, I mean, I don't want a full kitchen here in my studio. (laughs) I really don't. I don't want the crumbs. And in fact, you know, the toaster, uh, you know, it is literally a shack out back. Now, I've built it in to make it pretty, 
pretty homey, but I mean, it is a shack type studio. I don't, you know, I don't want food crumbs and stuff to entice the vermin uh, that could be out and about. So, um, you know, I was just reading that apparently um, thousands of minks, the little uh, uh, weasel-like animal, the mink, which is used for uh, their pelts are used to make coats and stuff for, for the non-animal activist folks out there, uh, have died of COVID. Apparently they are very susceptible to our COVID. Yeah. No, you know. Yeah, it's not one that's generally used like, you know, if it was, they'd be using it in testing, right? Um, uh, and, yeah, you don't think of minks, but apparently, yeah, uh, at least for COVID-19. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're like a ferret or a weasel. They're the same family. They have very, very dense fur, which is the reason that they're used as um, as pelt animals. And they're raised for their pelts. Um, although I, you know, I, and I've heard that the, the mink oil is also used in things. So they, they, um, you know, are, um, basically raised as produce animals. Um, but they're adorable. You know, I don't know what their personalities are like. They, they could be, you know, I mean, like ferrets, they, you know, yeah, but they're, you know, minks, uh, in, in, in nature, they are are uh hunters and they are carnivores and so um you know they may not make really great pets but people have like you said they have ferrets and ferrets are are related and very similar in their shape and and behaviors i'm sure you know but so is a weasel (laughs) so yeah yeah, yeah, it is, you know, but I, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, thousands of them have been dying of COVID. I mean, and the farmers are not out anything because they, they just, you know, they might have to harvest a pelt sooner than they had intended to, um, but they still get the pelt. But I feel bad for the animals because, you know, that's not a pleasant way to have to die. Um, um, I mean, I guess the end result is you're dead, but, you know, catching something and feeling bad for a period of time before you die is not pleasant um so i don't know uh you know i i know a lot of people are very anti doing anything with animals never use an animal for anything and i am not one of those people but i also don't want to see an animal suffer and so um you know if you're going to uh you know kill an animal for food or or um for uh, do it humanely and quickly and so um you know Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me think of the, uh, the show that you had recommended to me a while back, uh, Meat Eater. Um, and it essentially follows, for those of you who don't know, it's a Netflix show. It's There's nine seasons of it, but I guess only the last three, seven, eight, and nine, are available on Netflix. And it follows a gentleman who hunts and fishes and lives off of that. He doesn't buy any meat. He goes and gets all of his meat for himself and his family. And the show basically follows him when he's out hunting or fishing and uh and a little bit of of sort of him cooking whatever it is that he has caught i mean almost every show he eats some of it before that i mean you know but most of it i think gets packed away and taken back home um you know and kept in freezers or or it's you know dried or somehow preserved um but this is a guy who 
you know, despite being a hunter, is you know cares very much about the fact that you know you will have a humane kill, and that you use these animals, you know, to the fullest. I mean, he he doesn't leave pieces of the animal behind unless unless they're um, you know just not edible or usable in any way. Um, and very often those then go to feed scavengers, and so they, they don't go to complete waste, um, you know, and uh, uh, he supports the use of, of tags to make sure that we're not over over hunting any animals, and, uh, and in fact, I thought very notable in one episode, he had a tag for a, um, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember what it was, but it was a, it was a fairly large animal, um, and he was shooting with a muzzle loader because it was a muzzle loader season, which is not a very accurate uh, gun, and it's not uh, good at a long distance. And he took a shot that was just not a very good shot, and he admitted that. And the animal was wounded, and he said the animal will probably die, but the problem is it was alive enough that it ran and went into the bush, and he couldn't find it. And so he ended up then basically tearing up his tag and saying, I he says, I'm pretty sure that animal's going to die. I can't, in good conscience, go shoot another animal and use my tag. He said, I'm just going to tear up my tag and say that was mine and I don't get it. You know, because I, I, I got a kill, I just don't get the meat. Because, you know, he felt like that was the, the, the right thing to do conscientiously. You know, if you're going to kill an animal, that tag gives you the right to kill one. It doesn't necessarily mean you get to bring it home. That's on you. And so um, that's how he felt about it. And he walked out. Uh, you know, and felt bad. You could tell the guy was, you know, emotionally distraught at the thought of, I just killed an animal and I killed it slowly and painfully as opposed to a quick kill, you know, and I feel bad about that. So, anyway. It... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. I can imagine, though, if you are a uh, adamant um, animal rights person, that that's not your show. You know, that's not the show you want to watch. But it also, for those of you who who have ever thought, well, hey, maybe I would go hunting or something, this gives you a real taste of what it's like to go hunting and how much of that time is spent just sitting and waiting and watching and kind of understanding how the animals move and where they move. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of time where they're just watching you know, and they and they cut a lot of that out because, you know, it's not interesting to, to to watch people sit and watch, but you know, there's a lot of time spent just looking for animals and watching the animals, and you know, and much more time doing that than there is actually stalking and and what you would call hunting in air quotes. Um, but anyway, interesting show for those who are uh, so inclined. So it's Halloween season. Um, so what are you? What are you doing to decorate? Because I've seen some of your uh, your Instagram posts, so I know you're doing some decorations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to store them somewhere when the season's over. It's like... <laughs> As much as you might want it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
There's not enough pumpkin spice in everybody's life, right? Aha, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. so like blood, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was young, I went to a Halloween party, and one of the things they did was they peeled grapes. And so when you pick them up, they feel like eyeballs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, who's doing the peeling of the grapes? You know, well, the mom of one of the kids at this. What what they did was we sat at we sat in a big circle and and had and of course you know in time of COVID nobody's doing this but um <clears throat> they they we sat in a circle and there was like a story that people told and then you would pass things around underneath the blankets or underneath you know you'd lay a blanket on everybody uh, across the the middle of the circle and it would be in everybody's lap and then they would pass things around underneath the blanket so you couldn't see what it was but you'd be handed something. You know, and and so one of the things was, you know, they were talking about, oh, and, you know, he lost his eyes, but we found them and they hand you a bowl and you're feeling the bowl and it's, you know, peeled grapes, which supposed to feel like eyeballs. Uh, And, uh, you know, and then you pass it to the next person and and uh, and then they, you know, and so the, the story was sort of set up for things like that so that there was different things that you went around. And, of course, you can't see what it is. And in the context of the story. Your imagination would make it feel like you were, you know, touching, uh, you know, I don't know, like spaghetti was once. Yeah, I mean, there was always something in there. And you'd be going, so, was, yeah, exactly. There'd be the brains were splattered. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, kind of the, yeah. Before Fear Factor was actually a thing, because I'm old. Um, that was the, the way it was done, the the haunted theme. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And, you know, it, uh, I, I remember it. I mean, obviously, here I remember it years later. And this was probably second grade. So, yeah, for me. So that's that's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So scary-ish movies, yeah. Hocus Pocus is a classic, yeah. Oh, the actual Halloween movie, Halloween, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there you go more along the scary lines, right? You know, as opposed to the sort of like, I mean, let's face it, Hocus Pocus and um, and Beetlejuice are, yeah, they're Halloween-themed comedies, uh, but uh, but they're great movies. I mean, they're they're... They're hokey, but they're fun. They're a lot of fun. So I think I shared with you the other day one that I like too that doesn't often come up. But if you ever, if anybody uh, ever gets a chance to watch it, um, the Frighteners is a Michael J. Fox um, uh, sort of 
comedy horror movie that is along those same lines and it's it's well done and uh and fun and often overlooked and so i recommend that one yeah yeah before the season's over see if you can check it out i'm sure because of the season is probably um, on a streaming service somewhere um although i haven't looked i haven't looked recently yeah there you go yeah, so you know, check it out on Hulu since, since that's one we have a uh, subscription for. So, a total aside, nothing to do with the show, but we did um, change up our Hulu accounts too, so the old account will stop working here shortly. Um, so I'll have to give you the info for that some other time. But uh, uh, anyhow, um, did you watch the vice president's debate at all, or the president's debate? Uh huh. Yeah, well, you didn't miss anything on the presidential one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I always worry about like, you know, I mean the the highlight reel is what somebody else decided was the entertaining or important thing. Usually it's the entertaining thing, not necessarily the important thing. You know, the thing that we can make fun of is the fly landed on, on somebody's head, you know, on Mike Pence's head and he's got white hair. So it stood out like a sore thumb on top of him. And of course, you know, you don't necessarily feel something that lands on your hair and right. Yeah. And both of them probably had a ton of hairspray in to make sure every hair was laying right where it was supposed to and didn't like fly up and look funky, you know, you don't want hair floating around on top of your head while you're talking either, you know, when you turn your head one way or the other. And so, um, you know, on television, most people, male and female, have hairspray and makeup and everything to, to try to make you look normal. <laughs> but they basically paint your face on you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see um what saturday night live does with that because um uh my takeaway and i've since seen other people talking about it was that kamala harris made some facial expressions that were just strange they were not they didn't jibe with what she was saying at the moment or what was being said at the moment you know they were sort of like like she felt like she needed to do something and so she made these weird faces that just and maybe those are her natural expressions but they just came across as kind of weird and awkward and so I know that they're going to have fun with that and you know they're going to do have fun with the fly um, I saw one uh, an online thing where people were saying uh, we need Jeff Goldblum to play the fly because uh, he played in a movie called the fly uh, it was a remake of a 1958 horror movie where a guy has this like creates this uh, like teleporter type machine but he accidentally gets in the teleporter and uh with a fly and their dna gets mixed and so uh what comes out is a little fly with a human head on it and a human with a big fly's head on it and uh yeah well it's a horror movie so it's you know appropriate for this time of year as well um and uh, yeah Yeah, so unprofessional. I'll share you. I'll share with you. I've got a uh, like a little Brady Bunch square 
of of her um, facial expressions, and and uh, it's you know, it, and that's even not it, exactly when you look at it, you go like, okay, well those those are just faces of somebody talking, you know, but but when she was doing it, some of them were a little weird, and I thought she she had a weird smile on her face at times when she shouldn't have. Uh, and then she quickly would like wipe it off. Like she was talking about Brianna Taylor and, and her and meeting with her family and how, you know, and that's a very somber moment. And she smiled and then she realized she was smiling. And so she like pushed the smile off her face as she finished the conversation, which was weird. Um, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and frankly, you know, sometimes you, your reaction when you're nervous is to smile. And so, yeah, you know, and here she is, you know, on the national stage, the biggest stage that she's ever been on as a vice presidential candidate and, and, and on television and on the spot in a, in a, you know, so, so that could have been nerves. I mean, it's, it's easy to explain all of this stuff and we can all be hypercritical of, of whichever side we decide we're not for, right. Or we are for, um, you know, and, and to be honest, you could be hypercritical of both sides very easily. And so, um, so I just take that tack and make fun of everybody because why not? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, today would have been John Lennon's 80th birthday. Yeah. Yeah, wherever you may be. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and you know, and Eddie Van Halen died this week too. So it's been a, it's been a. For for music, it's been a tough week. He'd been really not well for a long time. He'd been battling cancer for a decade, um, and had had lost part of his tongue as a result of it. And uh, yeah, and uh, and had esophageal cancer, and apparently it was also in his lungs. And so um, yeah, it was just a matter of time, but doesn't make it any easier for his family and his loved ones so um, but lots of nice tributes to him uh, this week and remembering um, how phenomenal he was I think I shared with some people like a 15 minute version of the eruption guitar solo that he did live um, a few years back and uh, well it was, he was still pretty young at that point he still had uh, brown hair because <laughs> he was 65 when he passed so I mean he, he was he was not a young guy but but he wasn't like, you know, on death's bed in terms of just age either at 65. I hope not anyway, because I'm not that far from 65 and I'm not ready yet. So, um, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, people from sort of your age to my age are, you know, recognize that music. There was a, it was of a certain, uh, I mean, obviously they were still out playing and making music, but I mean, their last album was 2012. And they're, you know, I mean, they had two basic runs, one with David Lee Roth and then one with Sammy Hagar. And they made, you know, hits top of the charts at both times. And, uh, and they just, you know, for, for like, Rock and roll party music, they, they sort of are one of the go-to bands, you know, similar to like Kiss in that, in that respect. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I always have had a very eclectic listening palette. And so you were subjected to that in your youth as well. So. Yeah. Mm hmm. Right. Yes. Good parenting. Raised your, they were raised well. That's right. Mix it up. Yeah. Some of us have taste, right? <laughs> and I say some of us. I was speaking for you clearly because I am not a mid-20-something by a long shot. But, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, one of the other things in the, in the debate that came out was... Uh, uh, Kamala at one point turned and said, I am talking, you know, so it almost reminded me of, uh, of Dustin Hoffman. I'm walking here, you know, um, but she got upset about that. And it's funny because, you know, men interrupt each other all the time. And, and, you know, I mean, it's a little annoying, but we, we kind of just roll with it. Women tend to get pretty upset when men interrupt them. They seem to have much more of an emotional reaction to being interrupted than, than men do when they're interrupted. Well, that's what I've heard that. Well, that's why I'm that's why I'm bringing it up, because because um, I, I think that at least in 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 my personal experience, uh, you know, and, and I, I have a tendency to sometimes when I'm especially when I get enthused about talking about things, we'll will you know, when when somebody else takes a pause for a breath, I interject something and uh, and I've had the, the, the times that I've had somebody get irritated with me saying something has always has almost to a T been a woman who's been upset and and yet I know I've done it to men too I don't change the way I talk between the two really and and women seem to think that we that we I'm saying I'm, I'm as if I'm speaking for all men um that you know somehow men will like interrupt a woman but not interrupt other men and I don't think that's the case I think women just react more to it now that may not be the case for everybody there may be some people who very much so talk over women or discount what women have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I can honestly say I've never been a woman in a workplace, so I can't speak to, you know, what it feels like to feel like I'm being discounted or my, my, um, my, uh, input or speech or or what i'm saying is somehow not as worthy as that of somebody who's a male counterpart so um you know if if you say so <laughs> mhm 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 Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah, nope. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like, "Oh, let the boy speak." 
<laughs> Interesting. Interesting. And of course, this is all just perception. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the guys are going to go do this, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Why, why, why can't we just say who wants to go do this? Why does it have to be, you know, why in your mind have you decided it's going to be the guys? Yeah, and, and we know we've talked about that before, and, that, and I think part of that is generational, if, you know, at least in these instances that I'm thinking of that we've talked about it. Um, and, and when you call them on it, they're usually very quick to say, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. I understand that. So I think there's situations when that's very real and there's situations when it's, it's, it's just, um, personal insecurities of people. Yeah. Yeah. They're not necessarily a reflection of any action taken by the other person. So it's like, why are you jumping all over that person? You know, it's funny. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, you can try, but <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you can, you can get socially crucified if you try to, to wade into that. Yeah. So, I mean, even me bringing this up as a, as a subject, you know, I mean, I, I kind of initialized this conversation with sort of a, not necessarily the popular perspective. Um, Aaron and I talked about this the other day on the radio show to some extent as well. And, um, I know that there's been a couple times when she has been irritated with me because I have interjected. And part of that is that we talk and I'm Skyping in and for, you know, as great as this technology is, there is still a little bit of a delay. And so you're prone to talking over somebody because what I perceive at my end is a little pause from her end was even a longer pause. So she starts talking again, thinking that I haven't. And then I start talking, thinking, okay, it's my time to interject. And we talk over each other. Um, and she's much more prone to be irritated with that than I am. Um, but she's a woman who works in the business field too. So she probably deals with being interrupted more than I do. Uh, but she also said that, you know, she's also probably, uh, just more sensitive to it. Um, you know, and, and has a different reaction to it than I do. I mean, you know, whether we both were in the same situation, you know, she would react differently than I do. Um, you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 But don't blame all males just because somebody has something to say. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, Aaron and I also have had this conversation and I, and I, cause I came back to her offline once and one time and said, I'm I not allowed to have an opinion that doesn't agree with you, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you were getting on me about, you know, uh, making a point and, and it was irritating to you. And it was like, I get that it's irritating to you, but you know, my opinions don't necessarily always align with yours. And she absolutely agreed with me. And in fact, when we came back on the air, um, I don't know whether it was later that day or or the next day. She very much said, you know, hey, um, you know, my apologies there because, you know, you, you absolutely have the right. In fact, that's what makes the radio show interesting is when people don't necessarily agree. You know, not not that we all want to tune in and listen to arguing all the time because we get enough of that in our daily life, um, you know. But uh, so let's change up the subject a little bit. You know what tonight is? Tonight, yes. Well, tonight is the night that that uh, that the vast Amer- uh, majority of Americans don't bother to watch basketball because apparently it's been getting terrible ratings. But I'll be watching the Lakers play Game Five against the Miami Heat. It has actually been re- getting really bad ratings. Yeah, um, at least comparatively speaking. Um, and part of it, I think, is because basketball playoffs are on television at the same time as baseball playoffs and football which it's usually not it's usually wrapped up well before these things happen so there's you know three different the three different major sports are all going at once hockey was going on at the same time um, but they've already wrapped up and the WNBA was playing at the same time which they never get good ratings but but they were nonetheless playing by the way for those who want to know uh the uh, Seattle basketball team won the WNBA, and Sue Bird won her fourth N- uh, WNBA championship. Um, she is very much the the Michael Jordan and/or LeBron James of the WNBA, and and you know more power to her. She's a phenomenal athlete. And if you've ever had the the pleasure of hearing her speak uh, when she's being interviewed or anything, she is also a really good public speaker, and she's thoughtful. And you know she's not like a lot of athletes. Well. You know, we went out, we did our best, we hung in there, we worked hard, but, uh, you know, we'll come out again next time, be a little more aggressive. You know, she, she actually gives you some, some actual insights. And, and, yeah, yeah, it's nice to hear an athlete who can, can speak concisely. And when they take her off the sports subject, she, she's, um, she's sort of an activist in, in a variety of areas as well. Um, uh, um, and she speaks for the, uh, sometimes for the LGBTQ MD, XY, I can't remember all the initials, but, uh, uh, you know, she's uh, uh, come out as a lesbian, and, and so she speaks about that it, to some extent. She, does, she doesn't talk about it a lot unless somebody else brings it up, but um, um, at least in the, in the interviews that I've seen. But, uh, um. mm-hmm. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and of course they make a pittance compared to what the NBA guys make because they don't get the viewership and so the, there's not as much money in their league, but um but uh you know, which is also uh, a shame because they're amazing athletes. Um you know, and Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, Sue Bird, by the way, um, she just won her fourth uh, WNBA championship. She's 39, which for an athlete is ancient, and yet she's still at the top of her game. It's phenomenal. Uh, uh, 
Um, so again, more more power and congratulations to her for what a, a, a great season. Um, yeah, the uh, Seattle Storm was, is the team, and they they were playing. And she, by the way, she also went to UConn for college, so she won there too. Um, uh, powerhouse in women's basketball, but um, uh, they were playing against the Las Vegas. I don't remember the name of the team, Las Vegas. Not storm, but anyway, um, uh, and so I was kind of pulling for for Sue Bird just because I wanted her to get another championship, and I like to see the the uh, old folks out there doing well. You know, I laugh and say old folks at thirty nine, but uh, for again for athletes that's old. But um, the uh, the Las Vegas team um, uh, is coached by one of the former uh, Detroit Pistons, and um, uh, th- they were considered the bad boys this is when Dennis Rodman first became famous and uh, Bill Lambeer was their center and he's the coach of the Las Vegas team and on one scale I really like Bill Lambeer and the other scale I never liked him when he was playing because he was one of those like bruiser type of guys who who you know if you tried to to drive on the basket he's a, not only is he tall but he's really big guy I mean broad heavy you know built like a linebacker Similar, yeah. He was like a smaller version of Shaq, basically, and um, you know. But he was that way before Shaq was there. So people would come down the middle, and um, I don't think he had quite the touch that that Shaq had as far as like the offensive side of things. In fact, I know he didn't. But but as a defensive player, he was an enforcer, and so there were a lot of hard fouls in the NBA then. Today, he'd probably be fined and kicked out of the league for some of the fouls that he did. But he. But I, what I like about it is. Um, to this day, he's very unapologetic for the way he played. Because that's the way I played. That's the way the team played. We won two NBA championships, you know, in three years. And, and, and we went to this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, there's a different game uh, in, the, in the 80s and 90s than it is now, you know. Um, and, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the rules change. I mean, people don't realize this, but you watch the uh, Olympics from 1976 and backstrokers had to touch the wall with their hand and flip while remaining on their back. So they basically did a backwards flip. Yeah, and now they're allowed to roll onto their stomach and do a forward flip as they approach the wall. And that would have gotten them DQ'd, disqualified back in, in the 70s. And it's significant, excuse me, significantly faster. And, you know, me as sort of the, the pessimist always says, well, or not the pessimist, but the uh, uh, critic, you know, th- they change the rules. If, if there haven't been any world records made in a while, then they'll change the rules to make people faster so that they can break a few records because that keeps people entertained. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what happened was he's, he pulled down violently with his hands underwater, his body bent in the middle, which was effectively then doing that dolphin kick. And you're right. And it was like, okay, well, we'll, you know, just change the rules a little bit. Um, they've also kind of changed the rules on backstroke in that when you first 
when they first made the rule, when you rolled to your stomach to do the flip turn, you had to immediately start your turn. And, and technically, you still have to do that. But what constitutes immediately starting the turn is just have a slight bend in your waist. So now you can flip to your stomach and do a, like almost a dolphin kick and then a slight bend. And so you can flip over even sooner as you go into the wall. And so, um, you know, the best in the world take advantage of every little rule change in order to go a little bit faster. And let's face it, when you're, when you're a secondary sport, like swimming is, meaning it's not football, baseball, or basketball in the U.S. or soccer worldwide, um, people only care about it once every four years when the Olympics comes around. And the way to keep people interested is, is having people breaking world records, right? And so if you change the rules a little bit so that people can break some world records, then people are more interested in your sport and you get more viewership and you get more money. And, you know, it's round and round it goes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. It's got to happen. Oh, curling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy, let me tell you, curling used to be tough back in 1952, but now it's just so easy anybody could do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 one of those things where, you know, any sport that you get to know, you get to know how things have changed over a period of time. Usually the time period just before you join, because everybody talks about it, all the old timers. Right. And then obviously during the time that you're involved in it. I mean, my other sport slash hobby game is bowling. And there are people who still are complaining about the fact that the um, the bowling balls, the rules on what what constitutes a legal bowling ball has changed and they now make them out of material that allows the ball to grip the lane and and hook and come into the pocket of the the pins the hit the pins at a different angle giving you a huge advantage over people who used to bowl in the uh, 50s 60s and 70s in the 80s they started coming in with these these newer um uh you know uh, compounds different types of plastics and plastics that were uh, had embedded um, uh, oils and stuff in them so that they would, um, I'm saying oils, but it wasn't actually oils because oil would make them slide more. It was a, um, but it was stuff that would make them more grippy on the lane. So they put oil down on the lane for the ball to slide to protect the lane from getting all beat up. And then the ball manufacturers would come make these compounds that would basically absorb the oil and, and hook into the pocket and give you a lot more friction on the lane. And, uh, and there's, still people who who were you know professional bowlers in their 70s who complain about the fact that the bowling is too easy now you know and even in the time i mean i wasn't i wasn't bowling in the 70s but i started bowling when you were young because i was working at home and just needed to do something to get out of the house so i'd go yeah i'd go for like lunch or something i think i started in like 2000 right around 2001 um yeah and uh uh, you know, even in just that, in that time, in those, in that, tw- well, even in that time, now it's been 20 years, um, uh, the, there's been changes in, in the makeup of the gear and how it's, how it's, um, you know, how it reacts on the lanes. And, and so, you know, in order to remain competitive, you had to, uh, replace your gear every so often to upgrade to like what the latest stuff is doing. Um, and there was a lot of experimenting as they first went to new compounds and some worked and some didn't. And so lots of conversations amongst uh, regular league, league bowlers. 
It, yeah, it is in a sense. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, you know, uh, I'm not necessarily a better bowler, but I'm smarter because I bought the better equipment, you know. And and you can't just experiment randomly because these, these bowling balls cost, you know, 100 to $200 a piece. So it's not like you're going to go out and get... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I say that it's funny because, um, you know, if you would get to know the guy in the in the uh, in the shop or you do what I do, which is you buy, you know, last year's models. I would always buy a year behind models when they were bringing in the new ones because they were closing the old ones out and you could get them for 50 bucks. And I'd go like, you know, I'll take one of those, well, you know, if, if you still have the, the size that I want, um, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you yeah, just get a ball, you know. Shoes are nice, but other than that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Arrows fly differently. Yeah, here's a ball. Yeah, same diameter ball that it's been for a hundred years. <laughs> you know, we no longer use pig's bladders to inflate them. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny how some of that stuff is, um, uh, you know, kind of locked in and hasn't changed. But, but even then, you know, they can change rules about like where the lines are for for offsides and things like that, and um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a game like soccer that has such universal acceptance around the world, you can't just randomly change rules because people would be up in arms. Yeah. Well, and, and there's one entity that sort of drives it. It's the NBA, right? Uh, if the NBA changes something... Uh, you know, I mean, there's a few others like the NCAA has, has rules for basketball as well, but if one of them sort of makes a change, then the other one usually follows suit with a similar version of that rule for their league fairly quickly. And yeah, but yeah, and you've got what, maybe two or three entities that make rules and that's about it. Whereas I guess if you look at it internationally, FIFA is the football rule maker, but, uh, Yeah. They're conservative about well, and there's lots and lots of leagues, you know. That, that I mean, different levels of leagues, right? Uh, in in overseas for football, and uh, and so they have a lot of say. But I think you know, FIFA is they don't want to spend time worrying about rules when they could be figuring out ways to get their pockets lined while they while they while they set up uh, the uh, World Cup. Yeah, boy, they have a horrible reputation, don't they? It's it's bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember I was listening to a podcast somewhere where they were where one of the world's um, top soccer people was talking about it. And he says, well, think about this for a minute. He says, how many people watched the Super Bowl? It was like a week after the most recent Super Bowl. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah. There was like, um, you know, three, uh, uh, you know, 150 million people watched that game worldwide. You know, it was Super Bowl, biggest game in football, which is the biggest sport in the United States. And he said, okay, fine. Uh, there was a game between uh, uh, Manchester United and, and Real Madrid uh, on a Tuesday 
three weeks ago. It was a Tuesday evening game, middle of the season. 800 million people watched it. He goes, that gives you an idea of the difference in scale. You know, the richest athletes in the world are soccer players because they can get 800 million people to tune in on a Tuesday for a league game in the middle of the season. You know, that's just an order of magnitude bigger than any of the sports that are in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and if there's a score, then he shouts it out so everybody on deck knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like any sport. When you get into it, you want to follow it and keep track of it. Um, I, at physical therapy, got to uh, meet a, um, a motocross guy. And uh, and so I started following motocross and supercross on television for a while. And kind of got into it a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't watch it regularly, but... Uh, um, you know, you learn the ins and outs of the sport. And you kind of get to know who the top people are. And you're like, wow, this is kind of cool. You know? You know, and you pay attention. Yeah, you know, hey, I was watching and still, and, and I'll tell you what, I've actually gone back and watched a few since then. The Cornhole National Championships. That's where I was at, because it was the only live sports on television. Yeah, yeah, you find something that's entertaining, because it's like, I just want to watch people compete. I like watching people compete, even if it's throwing a beanbag. You know, which is essentially what cornhole is, for those who don't know. It's that beanbag game that people play uh, it uh, at, yeah, well, or I was going to say the... Um, the other place that they play it is um, at football um, uh, tailgate parties, yeah. 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 But believe it or not, they do actually have a national championship and rules about how far they have to be and how big the board should be in the hole and all of that stuff. And so... Yeah. Horseshoes? Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't put uh, horseshoes outside your pub. Let me tell you how many, uh, you know, you, you don't want to count how many um, patrons you're going to lose because of, of being clocked in the head with a horseshoe. That's like those lawn darts that they used to have. Um, you don't remember those. When I was a kid, they sold lawn darts. And I kid you not, these are 10 to 12 inch long pointed darts that you swung and threw into a hoop. And you would stand at one end, and, and just like Cornhole, and somebody else would stand at the other end, and you'd see if you could get your dart in the hoop. Well, let me tell you, some people, a few drinks into it, put darts into their friends. <laughs> and and suddenly lawn darts were like, wait a minute, this maybe isn't such a good idea. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think lawn darts were the... Yeah, yeah, yeah that's bad enough that they have darts, in, regular darts in a bar, in a bar. You know, uh, where the tip is, you know, maybe an inch and a half long. I mean, these things had four inch 
pointed tips and weighted front ends and you're throwing these things it's like it's like saying okay we're going to uh uh play uh javelin toss and you stand you know 50 yards over there and i'll stand 50 yards over here and let's see how close we can get to the to the ring that we're both standing next to by the way step out of the way if you see the javelin coming at you (laughs) it's like who does this crazy people yeah yeah like hey this would be a fun thing to do while we're drinking (laughs) yeah go figure I have not. I have the bags. I have some Green Bay Packer bags for Cornhole, but I don't have the boards yet. Yeah. Um, I had talked about it, and um, uh, your mother pointed out that you and I had talked about maybe making some, and so that maybe we should wait and do that. And so I was kind of so I was kind of told to wait until you're down next time, and we, would, we can do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I did go online and look at what the specs are for the air quotes here, official, uh, you know, cornhole board. So if I'm going to do it, I want to get the official size and shape and everything. So that, you know, if I find out I'm good at it, I can go compete at the, the, you know, world championship level. (laughs) I don't know, but like any, any endeavor, I'm sure I could go find it. (laughs) You know, there's, I would bet you money I can find somewhere within, you know, 30 or 40 miles of where I live, you know, like actual serious cornhole competitors. Um, yeah. And it's not that different than bowling, frankly, it's almost the same motion. And in fact, one of the, the, the number one, uh, PBA bowler in history, the guy who's won more, uh, championships than any other person, Walter Ray Williams is also a world champion horseshoe, uh, player and has won national championships there as well. And you think about it, it makes sense. It's almost exactly the same motion. Yeah. So it's like, hey, if you've got a skill at taking something in your hand and, and hitting a target with it by through an underhand motion, then, you know, figure out as many different sports as you can that you can do that in. And, and <laughs> exactly. Go make some money. Uh, go pro, which he certainly did. So um Let's see. Oh, hey, you know what? Next Thursday, next Tuesday, I'm sorry, next Tuesday on the 13th, Apple has announced that they're going to have a presentation, which is likely going to be the newest iPhones. So if they come out with a new iPhone, is there a feature that you're interested in or that you would like to see? Mm-hmm. I loved the 7 Plus. To me, that was like the epitome of that style phone uh now it was it's the 11 plus max or whatever it's the big one of the two it's not the standard phone and at right at that generation of phone the plus had a better camera and had better battery life um and the bigger ones still have better battery life but um but that sometimes is offset because they've got a bigger screen which drains the battery more too so you gotta you know see the balance there um, but that one had a, um, uh, well, that particular phone has a full piano black body. So it's got the shiny black body on it, which is kind of cool. Um, although it is slick as a bar of soap in a shower. Um, if you don't put a case on it, that is, um, yeah, <laughs> which is good thing. For, good thing for you. Um, the, uh, I'm just calling as I see it. <laughs> 
So no, you haven't been too tough on phones, but it happens. Your your sister has actually gone through more phones than you have. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but that phone also is the one that doesn't have a real button. It's got the the it's got a button underneath it for fingerprints, but it's not a a mechanical button, so there's nothing there to break. So it's better. Right. Yeah. So when it's powered off, it's just like you're just holding a piece of metal. What what you thought was your button's nothing, but when when it's powered on and you apply pressure there, you can feel it go and kind of do do. Like it feels like you're pushing a button, but it's not really a button. There, they're fooling your senses um, with that button. Um, but that also means that it's a pretty well sealed phone. It's the first one that was like water resistant or water. You know, they don't use the word waterproof, but it was. You know, you could get it wet without freaking out about it. Um, the eight, which was the last phone of that sort of shape and size, went to a glass back, and so people have complained that those are more likely to crack and break. Um, because they had glass front and back, whereas this one just has a glass front, and the back is is the aluminum, um, aluminium. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a really that was sort of the epitome of that phone, and was very happy with it. And I went to a, the seven plus from a six plus, uh, and I kept it for quite a while. I didn't upgrade until the eleven Pro came out, so I went from seven to eleven before I upgraded, uh, which technically was there was no nine. And the 8 and the 10 came out simultaneously. So I, I skipped the 10, the 10S, and then went to the 11. So it's not quite as long as it sounds when you say I went from the 7 to the 11. Uh, it's really, you know, three years instead of five years. But uh, um, but I, I that, yeah, yeah. Well, they wanted the 10th one. The one the 10 was called the 10 because it was their 10th year. And so they went to the 10 or the iPhone X, as most people called it, because instead of putting a number on it, they put an X. Good old Roman numerals. Why we haven't retired those from ever being used for anything ever, I don't know. Um, you know the Super Bowl still does that, too. You know, it's Super Bowl VXY. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, Why? You realize that the people that are watching this, none of them know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, I mean, even the smartest ones, especially some of the, you know, the, 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 um, uh, certain numbers when you're using Roman numbers get to be many digits long, you know, I mean, you get to 50, you're at a V, but you know, 47 was, you know, uh, what I V, uh, what was it I? No, is it V? No, V isn't. The V is five. V is five. Five is V, not fifty. Um, I don't even remember what fifty is now. I'm blanking on it. So I mean, well, that tells you. There's the problem right there. Roman numerals stink. We shouldn't be using them. Um, <laughs> you, know, you have to really think about this stuff. It's like what? I don't want to think about it. Just kick off. Um, so, by the way, there was a Thursday night game last night. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the uh, Chicago Bears. And being a Green Bay Packer fan, I never cheer for Chicago because they're in the same division. So Chicago, um, Detroit, and Minnesota are, are, you know, persona non grata for Packer fans. Uh, and Chicago ended up winning because Tom Brady, as the Tampa Bay quarterback, well, I'm going to say because, but... In the last 30 seconds of the game, he didn't realize that they were on fourth down. He thought they were on third down, and he thought they had one more play. 
and so I think he threw. I, I think he didn't. Somebody wasn't really open, so he threw a ball that was towards them, but was he knew it was hard to get to because he thought, well, I'll get it there. You know, and if he catches it, great. But if he doesn't, no big deal. We'll go. You know, we'll we'll play a more. We'll run a more careful play for fourth down. And guess what? That was fourth down. Game was over. They turned the ball over on downs, and he walked out. Which so out of character for somebody of Tom Brady's um, uh, history, and uh, was very shocking. I was I was stunned. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, when you have somebody, when, when a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes, you know, these top-end um, quarterbacks have the ball with a minute and a half or two minutes left at the end of the game, you expect they're going to go down and score, you know. And all he needed was a field goal. They were down by one. And and so you think, you know, he was going to get a field goal. Of course he was. They were going to win. And then that happens, and you go like, huh? And he's literally standing on the field, holding up four fingers, looking around like, fourth down, right? I mean, he just was, he lost count. He lost count, which is, then you're going like, oh, poor old man, he's 43, I need to hang it up. I think he just, he just made a mistake. It happens. I mean, people make mistakes, but, it, and it what, had nothing to do with the fact that he's 43 years old, but. It, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if 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 somebody who's new to the game makes the mistake, they go, oh, he's just a rookie, he hasn't... But, but but somebody who's been playing for that as long as Tom Brady has, you go like, he doesn't make those kind of mistakes. That's not right. Is he okay? <laughs> you know, he's not in his right mind. Sounds like uh, he's running for president, right? He can't be in his right mind. He's running for president. There's, there's evidence enough that he's not in his right mind, I guess. Um, but... But yeah, anyway, as far as the features on the phone go, um, you know, I'm literally at the point with phones that there's not a feature that they can come out with that I would say, oh, I got to, got to, got to have that. You know, it's like, okay, I'm, but I'm really happy with what I got. You know, it's, I know it's going to be faster. I know they're going to tell me it takes better pictures. Yeah. Yeah, the pictures have gotten really, really good for the last few years. Um, so it's like, yeah, okay. But I can't I can't think of anything that they could tell me that would make me go like, got to have one of those phones. The thing they're rumoring is that the big rumor is that they're going to change the look a little bit. It's going to have edges more like the iPhone 4 and 5 did, the flat edges, and that it's going to have 5G connectivity. But that's such a non-starter right now that I don't care about 5G. Um, you know, in a few years I might, but right now I don't care. I mean, I it's not going to be any better or faster or more powerful for me than what I've already got, especially if... My vendor is going to say, hey, in order to have 5G, all you have to do is pay us another $10 a month to get this faster connection. I'll go like, no, thank you. But, uh, yeah, so, I, mean, I, was, I, I was trying to think of, like, what would be a feature that I would really, really want to have. And um, I can't, can't even come up with one, really, that I would say, oh, boy, that'd be really cool if they could do this. So maybe they'll surprise us, and we'll see what they say. So um, I put a, a topic in our talking list here, our, our show notes, just to see if if you wanted to talk about it because you have some experience with people in special needs. And and during COVID, um, I was just wondering if you wanted to talk about. And we don't have to if you don't want to, but if you want to talk about it, about things that that maybe um, people with special needs are going through that other people maybe are maybe not even aware of that 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 COVID and lockdown has presented for. Um, for that community.
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A lot of anxiety and stress. Yeah, now it's another change. Even if it's a change back to something that was familiar, now it's not familiar because they've gotten used to the new normal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not, that's not unique. <laughs> that's common every... Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm familiar with that. Having been a teacher, I've had students that had special needs and that were in programs. And so you would get their, their packet sort of saying, here, here are things that they need. Like they need, you know, a little more extra time on these type of uh, uh, activities or they need to sit closer to the front of the classroom so that they can maintain focus. Or, you know, they also have vision problems. And so, for, you know, you, you have to sit them here so they can see you and see the board, you know, and things like that. And so, um, you know, as a teacher, you know, that's usually not hard to um, accommodate in a classroom. But when you're teaching virtually, uh, that becomes more complex because you don't control the environment that they're actually in. So, um, yeah, I feel for the teachers and uh, and then, you know, uh, obviously feel for, for people who, who just need some accommodation. That's all. You know, it's like they, they'll do what they can do, and they, they but they, they need an opportunity to, to learn and educate themselves and enrich their lives a little bit too. And, uh, and it's, it's difficult when, when you can't make the accommodations or you, or you don't make the accommodations because you're so stressed out trying to just do, you know, your, your basic job of teaching, you know, uh, English or, or science or whatever it is you're doing, you know? Uh, in fact, it's funny. I hadn't even thought about science, but you know, it's like, you think about it, teaching math and English remotely is one thing. How do you teach a, a science class where you're supposed to be doing lab work? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, for biology, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some demonstration videos. If you can if you're teaching virtually but you can go into the classroom by yourself and then do an experiment and let kids watch it for like a chemistry lab class, you know, or like you said there may be some virtual chemistry labs where there's virtual Bunsen burners and virtual explosions. Mhm. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's such a, a wide blanket of, of description for, for people who have such a various group of needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the people who actually work with them are aware of it, you know, people like you and people like their teachers, you know, teachers know the kids in their classroom, they need that... And I'm sure they're struggling to do the best they can to work with them. Um, you know, and some, some classrooms have, um, like, um, uh, aides that are assigned to work with um, some of the special needs kids, you know. And so the aides are struggling, too. Like, I know um, uh, in, in one case, um, you know, your, your mom is a math teacher, and some of the aides are trying to help kids, but the aides don't have access to the, to the, um, the books and or the teachers books and so they're having trouble helping the kids because they don't have all the resources because they didn't buy enough copies for for the aides to have it they bought them for the teachers but not for the aides and it's like well but if the aide is essentially you know working with people individually they need to have access to the same resources as the teacher yeah mm-hmm Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and that's it. There's such a mishmash of things being used because every district is sort of picking and choosing their own things and, you know, looking around to see what works other places. And, uh, you know, and some of the things that they pick and choose require that they, you know, use it for the entire year. So they're using what they got this year, and, and next year they may make some changes and things will get better. I think that more and more you're going to see districts looking at um, – uh, you know, not only what we're using in our classrooms once we go back to classroom instruction, but is that does that allow us the flexibility to go to uh, virtual instruction quickly and easily if we need to, you know, so that we'll be more ready for this kind of thing next time around, but uh, doesn't make it any easier right now. I know the teachers are stressing about it. So um, we've been going for over an hour, and I told you this would be about 45 minutes, and I know you've got to get on with your stuff. So um, as we leave, do you have any, um, like, uh, streaming video, music, or podcasts that you want to recommend to people? I know we talked a little bit about some of that stuff. Have anything that you've been watching or listening to that you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. Is it? I've heard good things about it. I've never sat and watched it. Yeah, it's been on a while, been on quite a while. But uh, yeah, I think I saw part of one episode once, like on um, I don't know, I was flipping channels or something. Because isn't it isn't it streaming through like HBO or something like that? Amazon. Okay. Well, maybe it wasn't Vikings that I... Ah, that's it. Okay. So, yeah, that's probably where it was. And I saw part of an episode one time, and I said, oh, that looks kind of interesting, but never came back to it. And and so... uh, And, of course, it was sort of in the middle, which is the nice thing about streaming. You can at least go back and watch it from the beginning and sort of, like, even though everybody else who's a fan, you know, says, oh, that happened, you know, five years ago. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you can go like, well, wait a minute, I'm I'm catching up. You know, uh, your your uncle did that with... um, Game of Thrones, never watched it. And then finally this year, uh, uh, over the summer, caught up and watched it all the way through. Yeah. 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 In an election year, you kind of, I, I do the same thing. It's a, you know, every four years I kind of go back and say, Hey, let's, let's maybe watch some West Wing stuff again. Because, because it's it, you go and yeah whether you yeah whether you agree with um, you know the I mean because the the Bartlett administration was clearly a liberal um, uh, Democratic administration right the 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 fictional Bartlett administration whether you agree with the politics or not you look at that and you go like I hope our real president cares that much you know whether you agree with the policy you want them to care that much about and struggling over making decisions. Sometimes I think that they don't struggle that much, that they don't, you know, that it's like the decisions are made much more flippantly sometimes. That's the impression I get sometimes. You hope that's not the case. But, but uh, okay, well, cool. I think those are good um, good selections. I will add in, um, I uh, um, have been watching on Apple TV Plus, uh, Long Way Up. And this is Ewan McGregor and uh, and his friend basically doing a road trip from the tip of South America all the way back up to Los Angeles. 
And so they're coming up through South America and you get an hour episode every week. And I think there's seven of the eight or seven of the 10 episodes in something like that. And on Fridays, a new one was released. So today a new one will be released. Um, and it's very interesting. And this time, this is actually the third time they did a long way round where they went around the world. And then they did long way down where they left from the tip of Scotland and went to the tip of South Africa. And this is long way up. So now they're doing the Americas. And this time around, they're doing it on on uh, custom-built electric Harley-Davidson motorcycles. And they're, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very much like that. It's very much kind of a travel show. Ewan McGregor's an interesting guy, and so is his, his uh, buddy, whose um, uh, name escapes me, but he's also an actor. Um, not nearly as well known. Interestingly enough, too, they um, their their chase vehicle is also an electric vehicle. It's a, uh, a Rivian pickup truck, and they have serial number one and serial number two, uh, and they are they were like hand built pre release models that they're using as their chase vehicles. And so so it's interesting that they're you know it's a typical thing, but they're also dealing with the idea of where do we charge and do we have enough power here? Cause these people are just, you know, they're not even on the grid. They're just solar. Is there going to be enough current here to actually charge these bikes up? And sometimes the answer has been no. <laughs> Other times it has been yes. So, and the Rivians have a, a feature where you can, um, they call it a tow charge and they've actually been able to flag down somebody and have them attach their truck to the back end of like a, a like a tractor trailer, a semi type truck or a big truck that's delivering produce or something and just pull them down the road for, you know, 30 or 40 miles. And that then charges them up, um, uh, enough that they can then drive in and get plugged in somewhere. Yeah. Which is a handy thing to do. I don't think you could do that with a motorcycle though. Too much risk of like falling down and getting, and getting the bike then dragged for miles before they even realize that you fell. Yeah, because that sounds really safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have basically gotten up behind a truck uh, and uh, followed right behind it to cut down on wind resistance and found that that increases their battery significantly. They also found that when they first started out down in the south tip of South America, it was a, they had sort of a, a very uh, cold spring, a late, you know, a winter stuck around longer than they expected and the cold really cut down on their battery life as well as they got up into the warmer climate the batteries ran much longer and they were able to get a couple hundred miles on a charge whereas early on they were having they were struggling to go 100 miles without having to stop and get batteries charged up i got to imagine that the, yeah i got to imagine that the yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking is that, the, you know, the, the folks at Harley-Davidson are probably, you know, gathering data from these machines. They've got a computer on board tracking, you know, battery life and how they're being used. And, and they're probably learning a lot about their own equipment. And, and as a result, uh, you know, the electric Harley-Davidson that you can go buy is probably better and getting better as they adjust their software and, and, and find ways to make everything work better. So anyhow. That's what I'm going to suggest long way up. It's on Apple TV Plus, which is available to you free if you bought an Apple uh, phone uh, sometime in the last year. 
uh, you get a year free. And Apple just the, the the first people who got that their their year would be wrapping up on the first of November, and Apple just extended it for three months. So if you had uh, if you got your phone right at the beginning of last fall, and your free year of Apple TV Plus uh, was supposed to be up on uh, the first of November, you now have till the first of February. And uh, you can check that by going to, uh, on your phone, going to settings, and then uh, at the top, tap your name or iCloud. And uh, there's a section there called um, uh, um, subscriptions. And you can check your subscription for Apple TV Plus, and it'll tell you when it expires. And it should now indicate that your subscription uh, expires a little bit further. Yeah, like, well, actually, mine still says November 1st, but um, I've been told that that has been updated and I've read that so we'll see we'll see yeah yeah I'll recommend one other Apple TV Plus thing if you haven't watched it Ted Lasso is awesome it's a half hour half hour comedy about American football coach that gets hired to, to coach a, a Premier League soccer team and it it is really really well done. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's a it's it's a very kind of kind hearted sweet comedy that's just really enjoyable. And in a time of think when things are not kind hearted and sweet, I think it was just what what the doctor ordered. Also on Apple TV Plus. So, and it's a half hour, so it's a quick watch. And all of the episodes are out for the first season, so you can watch the whole first season in a binge if you choose to. So, all right, let's wrap this sucker up. Let's call it a day. Thank you so much for filling in today, Jensen. Um, I had a good time. Maybe we'll have to do this more often um, yeah, if you can find the time. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily in that order. So thanks for joining us. This has been Back from the Brink, and we will um, be back on the air Monday. Bye-bye. Thank you.